Welcome to the Elephant in the Room podcast. Pastor Lynn is ready to tackle another challenging topic that many Christian leaders don't want to talk about. We hope you enjoy today's discussion. Hey everybody, this is Lynn Ballinger with the Elephant in the Room. Today, we are talking about another incredible, incredible topic that I think is very important for us to be aware of. So, uh, thank you today for those that are joining us in today's Elephant in the Room. So, I want to just get in today uh, with a little bit of... uh, of a of an intensive topic. There's been a lot of stuff happening in the uh, in the world that we live in. There's been a lot of things that uh, are happening really surrounding the uh, the president of the United States, our Congress, um, lies, uh, truth. People don't know all kinds of stuff going on. So we are going to open that up today a little bit. You know, there's actually. A, a, for different levels of government, both on the state level and on federal level, there actually there's actually a code, a listed code of conduct and things that that are right to do and are not right to do. And and uh, in certain offices, especially the executive offices of the federal government, to break those things is considered illegal. Uh, some of the things may not necessarily be illegal, but they're immoral or they're just inappropriate. And uh, a lot of this has been coming to light as uh, we continue the, um, I call it the new civil war of America between our political mindsets with each other as American citizens, as leaders, as people groups, as races, uh, finding new ways every day to attack ourselves, to attack each other, and to see this continuing uh, is uh, it, it, it's it challenges me uh, as an American in a lot of ways, uh, but nevertheless, uh, we have just recently watched a publicly displayed um, hearing of Congress with uh, Michael Cohen, the former attorney of um, Donald Trump, one of his former attorneys, and uh, also he was meeting then in a more private setting for a private hearing with the Senate. And uh, so we have all of these things uh, that he is now declaring after um, uh, one time affirming the president, now not affirming him uh, after being released from duty and now being uh, having already been tried and pleading guilty to um, lying to Congress um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of things surrounding this guy, and they they bring him up to be now a witness or uh, to bring testimony um, concerning you know certain issues surrounding Donald Trump, his campaign, and his presidency. And uh, he talks about paying off uh, Stormy Daniels, who was a porn star, I believe, to fix uh, an affair for Trump that he had uh, in previous years that. Uh, there was pre-election collusion with with Russia issues with the WikiLeaks. He's he calls Trump a racist, a con man, and a cheat, and he himself is going 
to jail for lying to Congress. So uh, a lot of funny memes out there with him. Uh, things like saying, trust me, uh, different memes that I've seen. Uh, but yet I'm watching uh, the real victims of the situation, which are there present as well, the family members, children, uh, and the American people that are watching on TV. And so we see this big minutia of, of madness that exists in our country in my lifetime. Uh, I know in talking to my parents in their lifetime, never seen anything quite like this. Uh, on any level. And there's been a lot of controversies. There's been scandals. There's been illegal activities. There's been all kinds of things since America has been a nation with different leaders. and uh, But have never seen the, the divisiveness and the political, uh, the political underpinnings that exist like they do today. Um, at the same time, this is happening here. Uh, Donald Trump is in Vietnam, I believe, with uh, in talks with uh, the North Korean uh, commissioner Kim Jong-un about dearming the nuclear dearming of his country, uh, not really able to accomplish an agreement and leaving that. So, uh, and we're seeing that happen in the wake of everything else uh, that is happening on local levels and national levels as a country. It's just a big, it's just a big mess. So, um, I want to ask this question. Uh, as I was watching through some of these things and listening to news media feedbacks and their various uh, their various bends and sides, there's really no such thing as unbiased media anymore. Um, are we really seeking justice, or are we seeking personal gain, or are we seeking political gain and political power? And that is the question that that comes up. And uh, in a world where we have politicians and leaders that are largely unchristian, which you can go back to the early part of the 1900s, particularly the 1940s, where Christians removed themselves from positions of leadership in government and opened a new door over time and years to largely non-Christian men or men that claim Christianity but live an immoral lifestyle, being our governing leaders, congressmen, senators, uh, presidents, um, everything, uh, everything else on local levels of politics. And, and now we've seen uh, in the last, uh, probably the last century, the last 80 years for sure, 70, 80 years for sure, we've seen a major shift in who we are as a nation. There's some, a few things that might be a good in that shift and many things that are not good in that shift. And we find ourselves still in at odds with each other, fighting against ourselves over the same issues that we've been fighting against ourselves over for a century. We're still fighting the same battles, not finishing them, not changing them, not accepting change when it happens, just moving on into the madness. And that's kind of where we are. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, because when we deal with this idea of justice, and I'm hearing these people wanting truth and justice, and I'm watching uh, congressmen, you know, I was uh, years ago, on one of my first visits to East Africa, and we were looking, uh, walking down the, some very impoverished areas of the city and seeing, uh, seeing the people and a man who had, who had grabbed a woman's purse and, uh, and was running down the street, and other people kind of grabbed this man. They, they got the purse back to the woman, and then they beat the man 
uh, publicly, just the mob of people there just beat him. And I was talking to the guy I was with, and he said, here's the irony of the situation. He said, this guy that did this and got caught and is now being uh, brutally beaten on the street for what he did, all of the people that are uh, executing this justice on the man for what he did that was wrong, any of them, if they had the opportunity to grab something or take it for themselves, would have done the same thing if they thought they could get away with it. And so what we see is we have um, certain leaders, our president in this situation, the attorney, we have these congressmen, uh, many of whom have had their own immoral affairs and their own situations and their own uh, their own garbage, passing judgment on this guy with garbage because that's the one that's targeted or presumed garbage. I'm not trying to really make the issue on on what is or isn't uh, isn't the case in that situation. It kind of was um, a disturbing. The whole thing was disturbing to me as I watched guilty people uh, pass sentence on guilty people and. And it's just a, it's just a weird phenomenon for me. It's 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 just very strange. And so anyway, as I'm watching this uh, situation unfold, and I'm thinking about the idea of justice, and 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 let me talk about this for a minute because when we deal with justice, the idea comes from declaring that something is right right? Or if we're in terms of God's justice, it's represented by the word righteous or righteousness, and it is defined in the Bible, or we would call it biblical justice, right? And biblical justice is simply the reflection of God's righteousness in our lives, in our systems of government, in the way we live, right? God's righteousness means that he always acts congruent with what is right, and he is the ultimate measure of what is right. And so in today's culture, people have changed the object of righteousness. The object of righteousness, they've changed it from God to themselves, right? The foundation of righteousness has been shifted from God to themselves in an effort to advance their own interest or the interest of the group they represent, be it good, bad, whatever group that you tend to affiliate with and enjoy or, or the things that, that uh, they stand for, right or wrong, uh, the people that lead, right or wrong. There's different people in different political platforms that, that, that people tend to, to associate with or connect with, or there's people that simply withdraw altogether from all political platforms because they're just frustrated. And, uh, but when you shift this idea of justice or righteousness from the foundation of God to a foundation of ourselves or our own interest in order to, 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 to advance something that I'm, that I'm believing in, in the politic of the situation, it creates a, a phenomenon called social justice. And I want to talk about that for just a minute. Uh, Luigi uh, Taparelli, who was a Jesuit priest, was the first person to coin this term social justice in the late 1800s, shortly after the publication of Karl Marx's infamous Communist, Communist Manifesto. And uh, Marx, like many in the social justice movement, was deeply opposed to capitalism, and he stated his object in life was to, quote, dethrone God and destroy capitalism. So social justice is kind of rooted in the 
identity politics of different groups. And so what makes something just or right is how it affects the the politic or the belief system or the platform of what that group wants to do socially or in terms of humanistic thinking. And so um, it, it, it these groups use the state in effort to exact the group's objectives onto the government and onto society. So social justice is typically an instrument of politics. It's typically an instrument of the state. And it is almost always at least a distortion of what the Bible teaches. And so as a believer, uh, as a person who is trying to figure out what is really right, what is truth, uh, what does God want, what should we follow, what should we do, um, it, it really leaves us in a, a kind of a, a quandary because on one hand, uh, I, I want to support this politic or this platform because of the of the movement towards right things, or maybe it's it's hatred of immorality, but yet seeing within the hatred of certain immoralities, there's other places where there's immorality. And so Deuteronomy chapter 32, 4 says this. It says, all his ways, God's ways are just. Genesis 18, 25 says that the judge of the earth, which is talking about God, always does right. And so I want to look at this in terms of God. This is why we have to establish how we interpret what's happening in our world, how we interpret in politics, how we interpret things around us by God's nature or character. Psalm 19.8 says that the precepts of the Lord are right. Romans 9.20 asks, who are we to judge God? God ultimately is the judge. He's the measuring stick. He's the one we align ourselves by. Isaiah 32.1 and Jeremiah 23.5 affirm that God's righteousness is true judgment. Deuteronomy 6.25 instructs us that we should obey God. Isaiah 40.14 tells us that justice is rooted in God's character. New Testament affirmations of justice are also expressed in Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 9, 14, Revelation 16, Revelation 19, 11, and 1 Peter 1, 17. I don't have time to read all of these scriptures, but I want you to understand that the Bible is very clear about God's God's character or his nature being the foundation of justice. So a just law or a just activity or a just approach based on righteous motives is something that reflects God's standards, not human reasoning. And I think it's important, uh, especially if you're watching this and you're a believer, it's important that you don't get too caught up in the minutia of the politics because right or wrong, good or bad, whatever's happening out here, there is always corruption underneath it. There's always a distortion. There's always a social justice platform underneath it on both sides, on the, on the party sides to to promote a particular agenda. This isn't really an effort to seek something that's right or truth or, 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 or having a good government. No, this is about social justice. This is about uh, the, the different platforms wanting to, to, to basically fight each other and see who's left standing at the end after the dust settles. In the meantime, the, the people are victimized. Our country is weakened. We become a laughing stock of the world, in front of the world, and it's just embarrassing. On every level, it's embarrassing. 
And the, and the real problem is not even in the people that are in government, not even in the Congress or the Senate or the president. The real problem comes from the fact that the church and the believers of God have withdrawn and retracted themselves from the gospel, from establishing the word of God, the Ten Commandments as the holy foundation of our government and life, and have pulled ourselves out from walking in political offices and being in leadership. And this has left us in a place where we are now inheriting what is the fruit of seeds that were planted uh, 50 to 100 years ago. So you have to get this and don't get too caught up in the minutia of the politics. It's all going to change next week, next year. Uh, We're soon to have another election. Everything will change again. Listen, you have to keep your focus on God. You have to keep your focus on the word of God and understand because a just law based on righteous motives reflects God's standards not human reasoning, right? That's what we just said. Judges 21-25 warns us not to do what is right in our own eyes when it conflicts with what God says. And, and many people have trouble with biblical justice because they do not read and understand the Bible itself. I watch this all the time, people quoting the Bible, talking about the Bible, questioning the Bible. I see it on social media. I see it on the internet. I see it. I hear it on on different medias. I hear it reflected in different uh, entertainment. And what we have is people trying to to utilize the Bible, question the Bible, bring up certain things. They don't even understand it. They don't even read the Bible or understand the Bible. And what this brings to a generation is moral confusion and subjective interpretation. The whole thing in the last few days have been about subjective interpretation. So there's two theological words I want to throw out at you. One of those theological words is called eisegesis. Eisegesis is reading into the Bible what you want it to say. This is the theology of the world. It's Google theology. Eisegesis, right? It's where I take what I want the Bible to say and I find ways to make the Bible say that. That is that is bad theology. It's bad theology, but yet many Christians, many churches, many leaders, definitely many world leaders, when they want to pull out from the Bible, they will use eisegesis to support social justice systems and distorted views of what God's character really says, as opposed to the opposite of eisegesis, which is exegesis. That's the other word, right? Exegesis. Exegesis is reading from the Bible what God is actually saying exegesis, to pulling from the Bible the truth that is really there. So biblical justice based, based on um, the, the objective or absolute authority of God with social justice based upon the subjective or relative authority of man. And so we see this, this happening. We call this the um, deontological authority, right? The deontological authority, that's, that's the absolute authority that's talking about God's authority. It's, it's, a, it's an unmovable line. It's an unmovable standard. No matter what happens in culture, people, no matter how people feel about things, it's still the standard, right? Versus the opposite, which is utilitarian authority, which is something that's relative. It's relative to culture. It's relative to society, uh, the utilitarian authority of man. And so we see these two ideas in conflict with each other. And I see them in conflict on the news media. I see them in conflict in the arguments. I see them in conflict on social media. Well, everybody kind of buys in like cattle following whatever goal that 
that they're wanting to follow, they just kind of go and and just kind of go into the place that that they want to go into without without even stopping to first think about God's character and his nature in this and and what things should we say and how should we respond because you should have a response. There should be a statement and the statement shouldn't be, well, this is right and that was wrong and this is right and they were right and that was wrong and I'm upset with that. And there's things personally on a political side, American, I get caught up in that as well. But I want us to zoom out for a minute and say, let's put God and his character and nature first. And as God and his character and nature, this is where we need to speak from. This is the platform we have to stand from. This is what we demand of our leaders to see happen. This is not something just because they they pass a, a certain bill or a certain law into effect that might go against uh, against the, the, the moral law of God. Uh, listen, it does not mean that that is now unchangeable, and I just have to accept that. We have a place that we can make a difference in it through, first and foremost, prayer, setting our own life's example, and having a statement, and being bold, and understanding who God is in us, and being a light in the world that we live in. So the pursuit of social justice has contributed to the three biggest lies that Americans tell themselves. Number one, there is no God. Number two, there is no hell. And number three, I'm a good person. Those are the three biggest lies that Americans tell themselves in a day of social justice. Many people assert that they deserve justice. I deserve justice when in fact, really what you, do, what you, what you need is grace. What you need is grace. God's justice is there for victims and for perpetrators, and it comes in forms of retribution, punishment, or restoration. Biblically, that's how God uh, pushes out his justice, right? Social justice, on the other hand, is a man-made distributive justice based on an ethical system of our relative experience, right? Uh, it was this, this idea that was popularized by Marx in the 1800s where man makes up his own interpretation of justice independent from God's character. And God also uses rehabilitative justice to correct or discipline individual behavior. He can also bring justice or retribution on a nation through a leader because of the nation's turning itself away from him. And, and we see that happen. And finally, God administers in the end, he will administer eternal justice through the eternal states of heaven and hell, which are both real places and real people go to both of them. And every single person hearing this today, everyone that will listen to this will stand before God and will face God and will give account to God for your life. And his law will reflect the dirtiness that exist in not not in the soul of my politics and the soul of my government, in, but in my soul. And I have to know: Do I have the forgiveness of Jesus to come and wash me clean, so I can stand pure before God? Hmm. So, biblical justice has much to offer about the issue regarding national conduct in relation to God's character. Remember, the key is God's character, God's nature. Uh, biblical justice for nations is cited many places in the Bible. Deuteronomy 28 teaches that God blesses those nations that obey his rules and statutes and curses those nations that are in rebellion against his rules and statutes. 
Psalm 2 and Psalm 9 provide a sober warning to those nations and their rulers that are in rebellion against God, that will justify and celebrate sin issues, that will turn uh, themselves against the innocents that shed innocent blood. Uh, these ideals and, and, and laws that have penetrated our society from everything from uh, medical, the medical field of, of abortion, of unwanted pregnancies, to our, to our criminal uh, criminal lives, our criminal uh, levels in our city, um, to uh, in cor- corruption in our politics, to everything else. It, it becomes something that God does not just ignore, and we just get to be happy and make our own way. Uh, there will always be the fruit that will come of the seeds that we plant, and that will come in our own lives as leaders, as well as people. And we need God's grace and we need his, 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 his mercy to operate in our life. So it's important to remember biblical justice originates from God's righteousness. So when we're talking about the moral code of government, all the moral code of government has underneath it a line of justice or a line of righteousness that is supposed to be followed and has above it God's nature and God's character. And so within those bookends, we find the moral code that a government of a nation should follow and and should have. And I thankfully, we live in a free nation. We don't coerce people or force people in a certain religious trend. Uh, and, and we shouldn't, and God doesn't do that either. But we should have an open understanding of who God is. We should have an open understanding of moral law and basis and righteousness on that and watching the certain certain state that we're in and it's not over we'll see more of it i just it's just a way that we have to interpret this through what is really going on through the ideals of god so so what i want you to see in all of this is i want you to see that that in the midst of something that can look discouraging um I guess what I want to say is don't be discouraged. Be stirred up, be challenged, but don't be discouraged. God didn't make a mistake to have you alive today in this time, in this generation. It's your time, it's your generation. It's time that you can make a difference. It's time that you can utilize a platform uh, of where the world is confused to bring a platform of stability into a very confused world, to give hope where there is no hope, to see something uh, change and to see righteousness emerge, you know? Uh, And I think that is very, I think it's very important. And I think it's important that we continue to pursue things that, that build for us a moral, a moral system because you have to understand that when the laws of a nation oppose biblical precepts, the responsibility is incumbent upon the Christian in those particular sets to pursue civil disobedience in order to mediate a wrong behavior. In other words, um, for example, we have made into law the support of, uh, of gay marriage, Right and 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 struggles with sexual identity have been around from from the Bible till now. Jesus has an answer for those, and let me tell you, Jesus loves people, no matter what areas of sexual confusion or even sin issues that you find yourself in. But on the law of of the definition of marriage, 
Now we have a law that that I've even heard some pastors say, well, you know, uh, Romans 13, 1 says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities and we have to obey the laws of the land. So we should just accept this law because it's the law of the land. Wrong. Because there is a higher law than the law of the land. And Romans 13 does say, be subject to the governing authorities. And the governing authorities, when the book of Romans were written, was an idolatrous Roman government. It wasn't a godly government. And he says, there's no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So let me stop and say this. Just because we see wrongdoing among leaders or uh, the way or motives and what they're doing, how they're handling things being wrong does not mean we have the right to disrespect the authorities that God puts in place. We must still maintain respect. We may, must maintain honor because God says he raises up and puts down those people that are in power. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. That does not mean that you have to accept a rule of law that goes in contrary opposition to God's law, to God's moral law, right? Um I don't have to accept that. And as a pastor, I don't have to perform marriages of people that are of the same sex because that misdefines marriage. And so in that situation, yes, if I'm going to go against the law by choosing not to do that, I'm doing that because I have to... um, I have to mediate wrong behavior. I have to come against... Uh, a wrong movement morally in in my nation, and and so it's important uh, to remember that. So Daniel Patrick uh, Moynihan wrote over thirty years ago uh, of defining deviancy down, in other words, downplaying deviancies, and the disastrous consequences of tolerating moral failure as acceptable. And it's easy for us to just begin to accept certain areas of moral failure. We have to love people, and we love the people because we've all failed morally. There isn't any of us that is that is holier or more established, or we found God, so that makes me better than you. False. Wrong. We're all lost. We all need God's mercy and grace. Jesus died for all of us, even the ones that are out practicing immorality and things like that. But what we can do is in regards to the rule of law and those kind of things, we should be setting ourselves to stand on what is righteous, what is what is just, what is true justice, biblical justice, not what is based on social justice, right? So... It's important that we understand that because the Christians should resist evil, including resistance to immorality in government, right? Just because it's made into a law does not make it just. And we have to understand that. So, uh, but governing authority is also delegated man for God to do his will. God has a purpose in it. God had a God had a has had a purpose for every president of the United States. Presidents of our nation here in the United States affect the world. Leadership, our Congress, our Senate, uh, they affect the world. Whoever is whoever are on the on the bench of the Supreme Courts, both in our states and the federal Supreme Court, this affects the world we live in. It interprets the law, and as goes it here, as goes it in much of the world. And we see this happen in culture. We see this happen everywhere else. That makes this very, very important. So God will establish leaders for certain purposes, 
even if they're not a leader that that would represent him as a man of God, but he'll still maybe will will use will use a leader for his purposes in other ways, or um, in some cases he's he's used leaders to set up a situation that ultimately brings his people back crying back to God, and uh, and we see that happen. We've seen that I've seen that in in uh, in our last couple of presidents as well. So. Um, and in some of the things that we faced as a nation here in the United States. So I wanted to talk about this today, and, and uh, I'm getting ready to wrap this up because I've talked too long, but, um, but God may allow, let me just say this, what is despite it not being what it ought to be. God may permit evil and still tell us to hate evil. Hosea 8.4 says, They set up kings without my consent. They choose princes without my approval. Right, So we see God's involvement and God's attitude regarding government and governors and leaders. So let me finish by this. Pray for your leaders. Pray for those in governing authority. Don't fall into the trap of, of the cow herd of social justices and the cow herd of political movements and the cow herd of media. Don't fall into that, but you stay focused on God's word as your governing light and as your strength and as your compass and as your code for morality. And let's pray for our leaders. Let's pray for them, the ones we love and the ones we don't. Let's pray for them. Let's, let's cover them. Let's see God, what his purpose is going to be. And truthfully, whatever we're dealing with now will certainly change in a matter of time. And then we will be dealing with whole new, a whole new issue and, and new problems. So uh, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. If you, don't, if you have not subscribed to it, tell other people about it. If you feel like this, this talk today is helpful for you, please share it on your page and get the word out about the elephant in the room. Share it to somebody else's page that it may help them. And uh, I believe we're going to see God do some amazing things. So, Lord, we just thank you right now for our leaders. Thank you, God, for our state leaders, our representatives, our president, God. Thank you for those that are in authority. Thank you, Lord God, for those that are that are uh, the judges of us, Lord God, that you would uh, position righteous people and people that would rise above uh, the, the moral morass of of political gain and 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 trying to push themselves forward uh this relative social justice issue lord help us to have leaders god that will rise above that god lord you said if we would humble ourselves and pray that you would hear from heaven god and lord i thank you today that you hear us when we pray lord i thank you for those listening to the elephant in the room or watching it live God, I ask that you would just bless them and give them insight to process what you're doing. Lord, let us not be discouraged or downhearted, but let us lift up our heads knowing that you are the king, that you are on the throne, Lord God, and all things will work together for our good, for those that are loving you and that are called according to your purposes. And so, Lord, I thank you for that. Touch everyone today watching this program. We give you thanks and we give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for watching the Elephant in the Room live broadcast. Join us again. we got some other interesting and provocative topics to talk about. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and tell somebody about this. So until next Friday at high noon Central Standard Time, I will see you on the Elephant in the Room.
thank you for joining us on the Elephant in the Room podcast. You can also watch live on the Elephant in the Room Facebook page every Friday at high noon Central Standard Time. Tune in next week as Pastor Lynn tackles another tough topic. 